although there's a lot of destruction right now, although there's a lot of certainty, I know that we are going to emerge out of this um, with so much more alignment. Hi, I'm Maria, otherwise known as the Fit Foodie. I'm a chef, holistic nutritionist, author, inventor, and mom. And I want to welcome you to my podcast. It's called Recipes for Your Best Life. And with every episode, I'm peeling back the onion on fitness, nutrition, health, wellness, and family. The truth is, you're the chef of your life. And for every important pillar, there's a great recipe worth sharing. So every week, we'll explore them together. Think of it as food for thought that you can really sink your teeth into. So join me, and let's squeeze the joy out of this life, because you only get one. Can I get a fork, yeah? Do you hear that? That's the sound of me breathing, breathing to a certain rhythm. And that rhythm is supposed to help me feel more relaxed, more able to kind of handle the stresses of the day. And there's a lot of potency to your breath. We often don't stop to think about how powerful it is. It's, it's what keeps us alive. But not everybody is super in tune with that. Enter Samantha Skelly. She founded Hungry for Happiness, a movement that helps people experience true transformation and happiness through energetic coaching techniques and pause breath work, a type of breath work, which has become a mission of hers to help people unite and feel better and thrive. I love that word, by the way. I use that often. Samantha has revolutionized the weight loss and self-help industries through looking at the underlying causes of food, body, and self-love issues and uses breathwork as a vehicle to be able to uncover that. She shared her mission on an international platform. She's a best-selling author. She's been seen in the Huffington Post, on the BBC, NBC. And she continues to spread her message and transform the lives of tens of thousands of people through her programs, international retreats, motivational speaking engagements, and her podcast, Hungry for Happiness. She also has a best-selling book called Hungry for Happiness. I can't wait for you guys to hear what we dished about and help to un unravel and, and reveal what can be the root cause of people's, let's just say, unrest and how breathing and exploring self-love can unveil that. Let's listen. Samantha, it's so nice to have you on. Thank you so much for having me here. I'm so excited to have a conversation. I know, because <laughs> I think we come from a very similar school of thought. Um, and I want to understand what brought you to this place mm. where you really are, are looking to dive into the whys behind the choices people make with regards to what they put in their mouth. Yeah, it's so, it, it's been such an interesting ride for me. I grew up as a dancer and as a child actress. So my entire life, I was either on a stage or in front of the camera. And so that's been my upbringing. And 
when I was 18 years old, I started experimenting with dieting and restriction and I developed a lot of body image issues that I can sort of relate back to just all of the rejection in, you know, growing up in a, in the, you know, performance film and television. A lot of, you know, a lot of rejection, a lot of you need to be like this, a lot of you need to be skinnier, that that type of thing. Mm. And so 18 years old, I started dieting. The first diet I ever went on was um, the cabbage soup diet. I don't know if you're familiar <laughs> with that, oh, yeah. but I just remember buying just like crap loads of cabbage and just eating cabbage until I was blue in the face. And I actually ended up in the hospital months later because I was not getting uh, the nourishment that I, my body needed to, to survive, thrive and survive. And so that those days, it was four years of being on over 50 diets in less than four years and just having no idea how to eat like a normal person, having no idea how to use food for health and hunger, how to treat my body with love. I didn't trust myself. I, every single day was a new obsession with a new diet and all sorts of things. And so I got to this part place in my life where I just thought, you know what, I'm, I'm just going to be like this for life. I, this is just something that I have to struggle with my whole life. And ironically, at the same time, I was a personal trainer. So I was a health coach. And so mm. I was trying to help people with their health. Well, meanwhile, I was a hot mess express in, you know, the, the scene. So I, I needed to completely stop being a personal trainer and just understand what I was actually hungry for and understand why I was stuck in this diet binge cycle. And so I began to, I began to try a lot of things. Like I read all the books, I listened to all the podcasts. I was trying to sort of think my way out of emotional eating and um, nothing was working. And one of my mentors said, Sam, you just have to, you know, get, it's like an inside out job. And I was like, yeah, 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 whatever. Just tell me what to do and I'll just do the thing. And um, it wasn't until I learned that I needed to really get into my body. I needed to feel through my emotions and that would set me free. And that was a scary journey, you know, coming back and feeling into my body. Like the thought of feeling was like really scary for me at the time. Um, I didn't think that I was worried. I'm like, what am I going to find? Like, what, what am I, what's going to happen if I actually feel and, you know, and yeah, it was just a really terrifying experience for me. But the more that I increased my capacity to feel my emotions and the more that I trusted myself, I slowly began to heal to the point where I could use food for health and hunger again. I could feel into my body. I could tell the difference between, you know, an emotional and a physical hunger cue and food no longer became that, you know, that heavy overarching black cloud over my head. It became something that I, that I really enjoyed interacting with. So yeah. My, and, yeah. and that happens a lot. I mean, that happens, you know, 80 to 90% of the eating disorders are because of a trauma Mm -hmm. Um, so it's, it comes from a place of kind of unburying something and it, it doesn't have to be one specific incident. It can be a variety of things. Did you feel that just growing up in, you know, the spotlight, having a camera on you, there was an ideal that you had to live up to, or did, as you were kind of uncovering the root of, you know, the pain or, or the hurt that you were trying to cover that you found something else? I think it was both, you know, I think it was both. I think the, the sort of obvious thing was, was the, the just feeling of, of having to be a certain weight and having to be, you know, have certain measurements. And then as I began to unpack it and, and 
kind of move through that I realized there was just some some deeper wounds and some deeper traumas that I needed to heal. Like uh, so much of my childhood was I received love for the things that I did, you know, my my talents and. Mm-hmm. And so as an adult, I internalize that as I'm not lovable unless I perform, I work hard, I do more. And so my whole life has been achievement-driven love. Um, and that, that's the story that I created. So there was a lot, a lot of other things that popped up um, as a result of kind of doing the inner work. You know, achievement-driven love, boy, that is, I bet you a lot of people out there listening could relate to that because... Mm. I, you know, and I'm a parent and I really do everything that I can to treat my kids, you know, consistently and the same. And, but I mean, I think it's human. I think it's human that we applaud good things. And when things are bad, we make people feel bad. You know, what did you come away from this kind of deep dive into your background and yourself that has now changed how you live? Mm, such a great question. So when I first started my company 10 years ago, I started it kind of from a place of fear and, and wanting to prove myself. It's like, well, if I can just build a 20, a seven figure company by the time I'm 25, then I'll be loved. Then I'll have, you know, be accepted. And the whole, the energy behind everything I did was this lacking fear-based energy mm. of doing something to get something, you know, versus doing something because it is the essence of who I am and the beingness of who I am and, and, and allowing that to be the motivation and that to be the momentum. And so one of the biggest things that I learned is when I am driven from a place of fear and a, or when I'm driven from a place of, of love and abundance and just being myself and just wanting to create um, impact and support people, it, it's so much it's so powerful and I enjoy the journey. When I'm operating from a place of fear, trying to be someone or prove something or get love from someone, the journey of getting there feels chaotic and heavy and you never really quote unquote get there. There's no satisfaction. There's no fulfillment in doing things that way. And you know, when I like relating this back to my body, I, I always shamed my way into being a certain size because I thought if I get there, then I will be loved, then I will be accepted. Then, you know, I constantly played the when then game. So the biggest lesson mm. that I'm I've learned through this is how can we have full acceptance of where we're at and take action from a place of love and abundance so that we can just receive more of that energy versus the fear and negativity. Why do you think that people come from a place of lack? Um, and I know that's kind of a loaded question, but I, I say this also as a, a female entrepreneur. And one of the things that I've done in my business um, for the last you know, 10 years since I started my business too is I really try and plug in with other female entrepreneurs, other entrepreneurs in general, doesn't have to be female, and see how we can lift each other up. Mm-hmm. And I think sometimes people think, well, that's your competitor. And I don't see it that way. I don't see it as a competitor. I see it as we all have something to bring to the table. Mm-hmm. Where do you feel like maybe in your, um, you know, I, I didn't grow up being, you know, in, in that kind of limelight, but why do you feel like there is so much of that that is produced in the world of entertainment, mm-hmm. that fear that fear that there's not enough to go around. 
You know, I think, I think it's, it's nature and nurture. You know, we were dealing with brains that are 2 million years old that are rooted in scarcity and constantly telling us that, um, you know, we're in fear and we're in danger and we're not safe and we need to look out. So when we have that built in filter and we're looking out into the world, we're going to view it under that, that lens and that sort of the, the, the default. And so that in conjunction with looking at the world and seeing a lot of fear and scarcity and separation and black and whiteness and, and lack of collaboration and connection, we kind of begin to create these stories in our mind that that is just reality. That's real. That's truth. And it's just not like that is conditioning. That is conditioning over and over and over again, decades of conditioning. If, if you look, if you look back, 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 we are designed to collaborate, to connect abundance, shared economy. Like we are designed to live in that way, but we've just been conditioned out of that so far away from, from, from our, from our, our, our nature. But when we step back into that felt sense of abundance and safety and collaboration and lifting each other up, as you mentioned, we realize that there is a feeling there. There's a sensation there that feels familiar. We mm. remember that that is actually our natural state. Despite the fact that we have brains that tell us we're going to die, when we get into our bodies and get into our hearts, there's a different narrative there. But what so many of us are doing is living life from fear, from our minds, constantly um, looking for how to, how to keep ourselves safe, how to not die. And sometimes the byproduct of that is separating from other people. And that's so against our nature. So there's, there's, yeah, yeah, I, I love, I love everything you just said. It's so spot on. And I feel that we are now almost being forced into the opposite of our nature. Right. (laughs) Um, so we're in this new kind of crisis that is unprecedented. Nobody knows when it's really going to end. Um, nobody really knows what the repercussions are going to be. How do you see this impacting people in finding some sense of balance and new normal when Mm -hmm. maybe they were out of balance to begin with and this is just shaking them to the core? Have you ever wondered, is rinsing my produce with the water that comes out of the sink that I don't even drink enough to really clean it? Well, then you're one of the smartest people I know because you're absolutely right. It's not enough. That's why we created the only all-natural and patented line of food wash and wipes, and it's called Eat Cleaner. It's tasteless, odorless, and lab-tested, and it removes up to 99.9% of the residue that water can't, including pesticides, wax, soil, and junk that can carry bacteria that can really make you sick. Plus, we formulated it to help extend the shelf life of your fresh produce too, and that'll save you money. When your berries are lasting up to 10, 12 days, you know that's a good thing. It helps your produce last up to five times longer using a natural blend of fruit acids and antioxidants. So there's no chemicals, it's just clean, eating fun. And this can help save your family an average of over $500 per year. Make it easy on yourself, reduce waste, and get that fruit and veggies into your body, where it's gonna do you a lot of good and not in the trash. Check us out, eatcleaner.com, or head to our Amazon store at amazon.com forward slash eatcleaner. (laughs) 
Yeah, you know, I'm a believer with this entire thing that this is a divine curriculum for everyone to get their shit together. Mm. I truly believe that at my core. Yes, there's destruction. Yes, there's pain. Yes, there's death. I am seeing that and I acknowledge that and I know that. And that's heartbreaking. And we took a hard left so long ago in the wrong direction and we created so much separation not only from our bodies and our hearts and each other but the planet and just a separation from from what is real and so although there's a lot of destruction right now although there's a lot of certainty i know that we are going to emerge out of this um, with so much more alignment and it needed to happen as shitty as it is and you know Every day I'm like, let me out of this freaking house. Mm, yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I, my, my humanist comes out and I'm frustrated with the entire thing. But the truth is, is, is it's forcing us to reset, look at what is not important, look at the things we used to prioritize and realize that those things are just so unnecessary. And what's so important and what, what we crave more than anything is togetherness, is connection, is our connection to nature, our connection to, to slowness, you know. Know, like getting back to doing less better, you know, mm. our world, we do so much shit in a, in a diluted way, you know? Mm. So although right now we feel like we're in the midst of this destruction with a lot of people getting sick and the economy crashing and all sorts of things, I know we're going to look back at this time and go, wow, that was a really necessary point in time for us to emerge better and stronger. Amen. Amen to that. I think, uh, uh, I think it's all giving us a little reality check of what is important and what mm -hmm. at the core we really need to be focusing on. I know um, a big part, and I want to talk, I want to dive into the food in just a minute, but a big part of what you have done is show people the importance of breath work. Can mm -hmm. you talk a little bit more about that? Because I am such you know, I became a student of yoga about 12 years ago and a serious, more seriously, like within the last six or seven years. And I can't tell you what breathing has done for my anxiety. I had a lot of anxiety. I had a lot of, um, you know, symptoms that kind of were then offshoots of my anxiety. And I feel like a lot of that is just gone because mm. I'm breathing and I'm conscious of it. Can you talk a little bit about what that does for people? Yeah, I mean, I can I can talk about a story that changed my life. I was going through my diet depression days as I as I mentioned and I had re, uh, read Eat, Pray, Love. And I'm like, oh, go to Bali and heal yourself. Okay, let me do that. So I bought a one-way ticket to Bali in hopes to use a more holistic approach to helping me heal my eating disorder. And when I got there, I discovered breath work and I can remember going into this class and this man who looked like Jesus in his whole white suit, he came up to me and he was like, are you ready to go on a ride of your life? And I'm like, what is this guy talking about? <laughs> and so I, I lied down and I breathed in the way that they instructed, which is this very conscious, continual breath that kind of sounds like this. <sighs> just over and over again for three hours. And it was the most incredible experience of my life. And that was a time in my life where I really, you know, totally echoing what you, what you shared. Like I, I experienced numbness and I experienced anxiety, <laughs> a lot of it. Mm -hmm. And what breath work gave me in that moment was an ability to release the, the latch my mind had to reality and get into my body in a new way, which 
was absolutely incredible to aid in the healing of my eating disorder because I finally felt my body. And I, I, you know, I always understood this, this concept of self-love, but in that moment I felt it. I'm like, oh my gosh, I am so powerful. I'm so incredible. I have this amazing body that, that is just so wildly profound. And if I just stop berating it and numbing it with food and over-exercising, I can actually connect to it and develop a relationship to it. So breath work was the number one thing that helped me get over my eating disorder, which is what a lot of my book is about of, of how can we use the breath in a very conscious and continual way to unhook the mind, get into the body and, and really begin to heal. Because, you know, we are born with everything we need in order to feel incredible, get back in alignment. We, we're born with this breath that heals our body. We're born with these bodies that know how to heal themselves. But we have outsourced that magnificence and we try and put it in other things, which mm. gives away our power. We're, we're, we're literally disempowered because we're deciding that we are something outside of us is greater than, than, than our bodies. And it's just not true. So breathwork has been a massive game changer for me over the last 10 years. And now I... I started teaching it to help women who struggled with emotional eating and binge eating. And now I teach it to, you know, gosh, anyone and any, anyone who will, who will listen. <laughs> how do, how does someone learn how to do that from you? Because I think if there's anything that we can learn right now in this state that we're in of not having control over everything, it's controlling your breasts. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, our need for certainty needs to be met at some point and um, there's not a ton of it right now, but where we can absolutely meet our need for certainty is learning how to shift our breath in order to clear anxiety. So to answer your question, um, many, many places, I, I do breath work every single morning at 8 a.m. PST on my Instagram. So um, just people can hop on and just go through the patterns. Um, How do they follow you on Instagram? Um, at Samantha Skelly, just my first and last name, okay, at Samantha Skelly. Um, and then there's, if you go to pausebreathwork.com, I've got free audios that you can try and all sorts of things over there. So there's many places to uh, to engage and get started. And it's if you're listening to this and you are struggling with emotional eating or um, body image issues of any of any you know variety, breathwork is such a incredible opportunity to to just begin to shift that and heal that in a way that in a way that feels really powerful and and, and really good. So um, yeah, my recommendation is eight a.m. PST on my Instagram, and then also pausebreathwork.com. You can uh, download a free audio. Okay, we're putting that in the show notes, but I'm I'm with you tomorrow morning at 8 a.m. I'm doing it. Oh, come. Uh, <laughs> it's so fun. It's so fun. You got to come. I do um I do believe that there is a lot within us that gets locked up. Mm -hmm. And and our memories are an amazing thing, you know, when we're in fight or flight mode, our memory just kind of locks down and mm -hmm. almost allows us to forget that pain. But in order to unlock it and heal, we do have to kind of re-engage our minds. Mm -hmm. Did you find in this journey of creating sort of your, I'll call it a mantra of healing, yeah. because it's a, it's a number of different steps. It's not just one thing. Did you find that you were remembering things that you just kind of went, oh my gosh, I can't believe I forgot that. Or I can't believe I parked that and 
Yeah. Yeah, yeah definitely. Well, the interesting thing is, is um, breathwork activates the limbic system in the brain. So when our limbic system is activated, it, that is the house of a lot of memory and emotion. So when we're doing breath work, I oftentimes remember things I'd, I've completely forgotten. And I see visuals of things that I didn't remember and now do. And, 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 and for a lot of people, that can be a very confronting, untethering, and potentially scary thing for people because maybe you suppress something so far down into your system and you never want to remember it. And through breath work, we get to feel through it so we can heal it. So it's a powerful, powerful experience. Um, but it's one that we got to, we got to go slow, you know, like we got to go slow. So often um, people will just jump right into, right into like a really intense deep session and um, they, they might get a little bit nervous. So it's really important to like go slow. How long did it take you? Uh, how long did it take you to kind of recognize that something was wrong and then feel like you were on the right path or feel like, cause I, I'm a recovering, um, you know, I, I had an eating disorder for over 10 years and I mm-hmm. talk about it very openly and I, I don't think you ever completely get over mm-hmm. it. I think that you manage it. I think that it's just like anything else that maybe you abuse, you, you learn to live in a better way, but somehow it's always just kind of parked there in the back of your mind. Um, but I feel like I'm, I've managed it to the point where I'm, you know, I'm a functioning, happy, healthy human being where I wasn't before. How long did it take you to get to that point where you're like, I'm functioning well? That's a beautiful question. You know, I think I love what you said about it doesn't just dissipate and go away, but we definitely change our relationship to it. And I think what's the mo- what what the the place that I was trying to approach it from earlier on was I'm going to mindset my way out of this. I'm just going to think my way out of this, which is, which takes a lot of effort. It's overwhelming and it's just not a productive way of, of doing it. And I think to get like getting to a place where after that breathwork session, after I really viscerally felt the difference between numbness and experiencing the wide range of emotions, I then began to easily manage it because I could really discern the difference. What is an emotional hunger cue? What is a physical hunger cue? Why am I wanting to restrict right now? What's the actual emotional need? And when we're numbed out and we don't have that wisdom and we don't have that information from our body, it's so challenging to try and figure it out. <laughs> you know, so when yeah. we when our bodies are unlocked and we can feel into them, there's so much wisdom, there's so much intelligence there. Anxiety is is the language of our body telling us that something's not in alignment or something's not right or we need to look at something or feel something. And so it's so important that we pay attention. I think that um the there's a lot there's a lot of misinformation out there. Okay, let me just leave it at that. I was going to say something kind of a little bit more harsh, but let's just say there's a lot of misinformation out there in the world of um nutrition and a balanced, healthy approach to eating. And there's a lot of dysmorphia and it gets propagated over and over again through social media. How do you help your followers to stay focused on what's right? Because it's really, really easy to get distracted. You know, you can decide to follow a keto diet or paleo or um, it's like for a while there being vegan was fashionable. It wasn't even about, you know, eating in a sustainable way. And I, I found when I would dive into it and I would coach other people and ask them, 
Why are you doing this? Mm. They never really had an answer. <laughs> How do you address those questions when they come up with your clients and the people that follow you? Mm, that's such a such a great question. You know, I'm such a big believer in um, discernment, like personal discernment and like always checking in with our body to be like, is this for me or is this not for me? Mm-hmm. And oftentimes we decide what's good for us based on our cognitive mental judgment versus our, our truth, which is what's in our body. And so I always share with my clients of like, even the stuff that I tell you, don't take it as truth. You know, take it as I'm going to take this, I'm going to check in with my body and I'm going to discern if this is for me or if this is not for me. And I think we all need to increase our ability to trust ourselves and use our discernment when we are getting information, Um, whether it's about dieting, whether it's about personal development, relationships, whatever it is, like checking in with our truth. Like, is this actually for me? It could be for you, but not for me. So really encouraging people to, uh, take ownership over their transformation, take ownership over their um, way of being and know why they're choosing it too. Not just because they're being sheep, because everyone else is doing vegan. <laughs> That's a weird pun to use, but yeah. you know what I mean? Because <laughs> everyone else is being like kale. No. Um, <laughs> but, but really understanding like why am I choosing this? Did you, um, it, as part of your healing process, did you mm. study nutrition? Did you? How did you get your? Mm. How did you get the information to help you discern at least how to eat better for you? I did not study. Like I did a little bit of nutrition when I became a personal trainer, but when I learned what my body is really wanting and what it's not wanting, everything became so easy. Mm. So I now, and it still changes for me. It changes. It goes in cycles. There's times where my body is like, do not give me meat right now. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And then there's times where my body's like, give me all the steak. I want everything, Mm -hmm. you know? And, And I, and it's so important to honor the cycle that your body is in and honor it accordingly. And it can always change and leave room for, for, change, for change. But when we get, and this is my opinion on this, when we get caught up in identities of like, I am a vegan, I am paleo, I am this, and your body shifts and you actually need something different that's not in alignment with that diet, well, an identity is hard to break, especially for someone who says they're vegan, you know? Yeah. So for me, it's like my relationship with food is so fluid and it's, it's, it's a moment by moment decision. And there's some days where I'm like, I'm just not hungry for six hours at a time. And there's sometimes where I'm like, I got to eat every 20 minutes mm-hmm. and I just honor what is. And the same thing goes for exercise. I used to be two hours in the gym. I used to be, um, you know, a dancer growing up. So I was always an athlete. Then I was in CrossFit and then I was a fitness competitor and I used to be intense. And now I, I'm like, all right, cool. Like what does my system want? What does my body want? Sometimes it is an intense workout. Other times it's a walk around the park and I, and I get to honor exactly what that is and not fight it through what my ego says I should do. Wow. I love that. I'm high-fiving you so hard right now, (laughs) virtually, because I feel like I've walked your same path maybe a little bit um, before you, because I think I'm a little bit older than you. But I, I wonder how you let go, because I think part of having an eating disorder or any sort of disorder is control. How do you allow yourself to fly a little bit? Because I think that was always my biggest fear. I had this weird idea that if I strayed from the path, that it would fall apart literally within a day. I don't know where that, that 
complete falsehood came from. Mm -hmm. But, you know, my, my idea too is that you don't get healthy from, you know, one workout and you don't get, you know, off the rails from one meal. Mm -hmm. So where do, where do you find the strength to say, I am going to listen to my body and let it free flow? Mm. I think changing my relationship to uncertainty was a big thing. Um, I was so controlled. Everything was controlled. Every day was controlled. Every hour was controlled. Every meal was controlled. Everything was controlled because I didn't feel safe. <clears throat> so when I learned how to feel that felt sense of safety in my body, and not only just feel it, but like actually work every single day to rewire my nervous system, deregulate my nervous system from that hyper control, hyper active place. I was able to find a lot more well-being in my body and having a lot more well-being in my body allowed me to not be in control. So it's not a process of figuring out how do I stop being in control because we're going to freak ourselves out and think the worst. It's just about giving ourselves the frequency and the medicine that we actually need, which is letting our bodies know that we're safe to feel we're safe to be in stillness, we're safe to be in silence. If things fall apart, that is not a direct relation, that there's no direct relationship to our value or our worthiness. And I think a lot of us are struggling with a, a gaping worthiness wound. So we think if we drop a ball or we're not successful or whatever happens, then we're in trouble. And that's just not the case, you know? It's just not the case. And so it's truly about uh, not focusing on how do I let go, but focusing on how can I give my body more well-being and safety? Because that's, that's what it actually needs and wants and desires. Do you have a, do you have a go-to person that you lean on when you need an extra boost or maybe even a support group? And do you think that that's something that most people should engage with yeah, in terms of just having that whatever it is for them, if it's an individual or a group or Mm -hmm. somebody that they can lean on? Absolutely. You know, my whole, my whole business is built on, on the power of community. And when we get in community with people who have a similar goal and we're all supporting each other, it's, it's a powerful powerful experience. So the way that I, you know, architect a lot of my programs, especially for women who struggle with emotional eating is, you know, setting people up with, um, you know, a, a soul sister, like a support person and really helping them, you know, be, be, in community. And that's, again, going back to our early days, like that's how we were designed to live and we've come away from that. So um, I architect that into my companies, but then on a personal level as well, absolutely. I am constantly, you know, consulted by by mentorship and, and just people bringing me back to the truth, you know, like mm. yesterday I was in a bit of a tailspin and I'm like, God, I'm just, I'm not feeling tethered right now. I'm feeling all over the place. And so, you know, a quick 15 minute call with one of my mentors, I'm like, can you just tell me that you know, just reflect some truth back to me right now because I don't see it. And like having those people, those communities is just so powerful. Yeah, I, I believe that so much. You have a new book coming out called Hungry for Happiness. So exciting. Can you tell us a little bit about it? Yeah, it's basically my, you know, my entire story, my entire journey from, you know, being waking up in a hospital bed, wondering what happened all the way into where I am now and and everything in between. It was basically my journey of how food was the, the bane of my life, but then brought me 
into who I am today and my my journey of getting there. And the book is uh, not only the story, but there's practical, tangible tools after every single chapter. So there's um, meditations and there is journaling exercises and the reflection. So it works as like a workbook as well as, mm. you know, an actual read as well. So my intention is to create transformation for every single reader, allow them to feel not alone in the struggle because it sometimes can feel very jarring and very alone. So yeah, I'm excited. It's, it'll, it'll be out soon. When does that come out? September 29th, but you can pre-order it now on Amazon. Awesome. And we'll make sure yeah. to include Elaine Hungry for happiness. Yeah. Let me ask you, because I ask every guest, if mm. you could have one meal prepared for you by anybody, what would that oh meal gosh. be and who would make it? Ah, that's so good. Okay, I would be in Japan and it would be sushi <laughs> with like a top sushi chef in the world preparing the most incredible, beautiful sushi. Mm. <laughs> I'm obsessed with sushi. I love sushi too. Mm, so and good. it's one of those foods right now that we don't feel comfortable ordering and bringing <laughs> home. So <laughs> the first thing we will be having when quarantine is over is good mm. sushi. Oh my God, I hear you 100%. I'm from Vancouver up in Canada, so we got some great sushi over there. Oh yeah, I love Vancouver. I've been there many times. Beautiful city. Yeah. What is one thing that you could say to your younger self Mm. that all of this wisdom and hindsight being 2020, what is one thing you could say to your younger self that you feel would have made a huge impact? Mm. Oh, such a good question. Um, I would say I would tell her to express herself to the degree that she craves and not hold back for fear of not being accepted. Yeah. I have a, 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 there's this part of me that is very expressive and I, and I, and I live it today, um, for sure. But when I was younger, I sort of suffocated that part of me and muted that part of me and sort of lived within the box, colored within the lines kind of thing. And, um, although I did what I was supposed to do, I know there was so much more for, for her to step into. So I, I'm making up for it in my adulthood. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I love it. Samantha, it's been such a pleasure chatting uh, and I can't wait to read your book and, uh, mm. and start breathing with you. Yeah, girl. So great to meet <laughs> you. Thank you so much for sharing this message with your audience. I appreciate you so much. Thank you. Mm. Hey, thank you so much for listening to this week's episode. I know you have a lot of choices out there of what to listen to, what to watch. So it means a lot to me that you're here with me. And hey, if you love this content, would you hit the subscribe button? I want you around. I don't want you to just show up for one episode and leave. I want you here, part of the conversation, a seat at this table. And while you're at it, would you share this with your friends and family? And if you take a screenshot and share it on your social media with a hashtag RFYBL for recipes for your best life, I'll make sure to personally give you a shout out and you may just be featured right here on the show. So until next time, here's to living deliciously and being the chef of your best life.